As always, it's a blessing to be with, here with you. Becky and I have been out west now since 1990, and I like the work we're doing there. I did in Colorado, now in Arizona since 2002. But I always enjoy and enjoy visiting with my brothers and sisters here, most of which are from the Midwest. This is where my spiritual roots are, and I appreciate the opportunity to fellowship with you and speak to you this morning, or the week, I should say. The I'm going to change the name of my lesson just slightly. I'm like, I'm like data. I don't like to say contractions. Only half of you will get that point, but that's all right. What is in a name? What is in a name? I've been asked to give, in the beginning of my lesson, a general summary of the theme for this meeting, what's in a name. My actual written assignment for me, for my class, was rather lengthy, so I'm, I'm not going to read it, but I'll give you a summary of what my, lesson, what my lesson is about and for the whole week. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 103, verses 6 through 10. This is sort of going, no, no, not sort of, this is. This is going to be like the theme verses for the whole week. Psalm 103, beginning with verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he give his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. This passage, as well as the rest of the Bible, contains characteristics of our God. This is what are going to be addressed specifically this week, and this is what I'm going to talk about in a summary this morning. My assignment, as I say, is like an introduction to this topic without getting into the details of each characteristic. The other teachers are going to do, with, are going to do that. That's part, of their, that's part of their work. This opening introductory assignment is somewhat tricky, because I don't wish to intrude on the other's thoughts, the other's lessons. I'm not going to go into detail into the characteristics we just read about. But if I do, I apologize beforehand. But fortunately, only one of the teachers is in the class right now, so the others wouldn't even know it. So that's sort of a, that's sort of a positive thing in my eyes. You know, while our present society as a whole doesn't seem to consider names of value specifically as they have in other generations. There are some exceptions, for sure. We're going to see, and part of my lesson this morning, is to impress upon you the importance that the Lord considers names. He considers names very highly. To Him, words and names are important, especially names pertaining to who He is and the kind of God that He is. And the definition of these names are for purpose. So we can learn lessons, not only about God, but also about ourselves. We also live in a political environment in which specific names are used sometimes to, I think, try to point out something that's not true. They want to hide things behind certain names. Just look, what, just look how the word hatred has been changed. The term hatred the way it's used many times in our political environment, it's not like the scriptures use it for sure. But we're going to consider also a number of significant names 
both in the Bible and especially of God. For my lesson, I plan to point out, number one, the Creator considers names of value. We're going to see that. He considers names of importance. We're going to see, number two, that God knows His people and their names. He knows each of us by name. And we're going to look at some of the meanings of some of these names in the Bible. Not just God, but some of the various other names of individuals in the Scripture. Some of them are really, truly enlightening. This is a topic that I never really thought about. And I've, talked to, I've talked about the names of God a number of times, but as far as the various definition for many of the names, that's just something I never really thought about. But I've been edified as I've been considering the names of some of these. And then probably the most important point, or one of the most important points in my lesson, we're going to talk about the importance of our name. What kind of name do we have? What kind of name are we defined by? Not just by God, but by our fellow Christians. And just as important by those who are not believers. What do they know of our name? Now, I've got various times in this lesson. I actually have to write it, or, or you know, write it and put it into a computer. But I want to I open it up for questions after I try to make various points. I will receive whatever questions or comments you have to the best of our ability. And I look forward to that as well. So feel free to do that. But wait until I ask for it, please, because I, I, I won't see you if you're raising your hand without my, glass, my glasses on right now. Consider, first off, let's go to the Old Testament, because if you want to know about how important God considers names, it has to be from the Old Testament Hebrew language. Translated in English, of course. Turn to Exodus chapter 34. We're going to see here, the Lord considers names of value, and of course, in particular, His name. And here he's proclaiming his name. Exodus chapter 34, beginning with verse, verses 5 through 7. I was in Genesis and I didn't go to the right place here. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now here we have the Lord proclaiming His name. Now you'll note this passage is very close to the one in Psalm 106 that we just read where he's describing his characteristics. So it's important to understand the Lord is making these connections between who he is and his characteristics, how we describe him. Now I understand I'm not going to go into detail this morning about the names of the Lord. We're going to talk about them a little bit to point out how important the Lord considers His name. I have a lesson Wednesday night. We're going to talk specifically about many of the various names of God. But this is part of my assignment to show that the Lord considers He does take seriously His names. And He expects us to do as well. Now obviously we must go to the Old Testament Scriptures to take note of of how the Creator of all things would introduce Himself to mankind. And that's exactly what the Old Testament, especially the beginning of the Old Testament, does. 
God is introducing himself to mankind. As a result of sin, beginning with the Garden of Eden, clear until Moses, it seems like the world, as the majority, was forgetting about God. Now, there were some exceptions, to be sure. But yet, the world needed to be reminded of who God was, of who their Creator was, to be sure. And this is what the Old Testament does. The Old Testament introduces God to mankind. The Old Testament introduces the world to the one true God. Now it's appropriate that the Lord proclaims His own names. His names, as they have been revealed through His Spirit, I believe should be the names we speak of and to Him. Who are we to name God? By our own wisdom. By our own understanding. I believe when we try to do that, we we change his message. Who am I to look at the Lord, the, the eternal God, to say, well, I'm going to call you such and such. I try not to use names that are not established in the word of God regarding God for that reason. And I'm convinced there's a good reason why he uses various names pertaining to his deity. And each of these names to describe a specific aspect of himself. Because these names help us better understand who he is and what he wants from us. And I am convinced this is with purpose. God, through his spirit, has done this on purpose. They can better, that we can better appreciate our creator and our God. And I believe that will help us have a closer relationship to him. For sure, and I believe the Lord knows that. Remember, the Lord created us. He knows how we tick. He knows what motivates us to godliness. And he uses this knowledge as he teaches us about who he is and what he's done for us. And therefore, having a better and more complete understanding helps us know him and his ways more easily. And I word that use that word know here beyond simply having knowledge of, but something that we can have a relationship with with our God. And they make it easier, I think, having this better understanding makes it easier for us to submit to Him in all things. Imagine trying to understand the Creator without His Word and His explanation of His names. There's there's so much we can learn from creation, but we're limited. The heavens declare the glory of God, the ferment shows His handiwork, but we're limited on learning about God by looking at creation. Yes, we can be convicted there's a God, and we might even come to the understanding, well, if there's a God, then they must expect something from us. But how would we know what that was without His Word? It's like, imagine you, Grant Riggins, trying to communicate with an ant of what it is to be an engineer. Now, there are some things you can teach an ant. You can teach an ant to stay out of your way when you're coming that direction. You can teach an ant to follow you when you have breadcrumbs behind you. But beyond that, what can you teach an ant? And you have something in common with an ant. You're both created. God is eternal. The only thing we have in common with God is that he makes us in his image. So only by working of him can we understand who God is. And I think we get into trouble when we, as I said, use names that are not inspired. There are some phrases that I think are very, at least, at the very, at the very least, lats regarding our awe of God. 
You've heard the term the man upstairs. Or you've heard people refer to Jesus as OJC. I think it's dangerous when we do that. Such names reflect a lack of respect and awe of who God is, as if God isn't equal to us, and that he certainly is not. Now, with that said, it's interesting to note in Acts chapter 17, when the Apostle Paul is speaking to those at Mars Hill, he refers to Jesus as the man, Jesus Christ. But there's nothing flippant about the way Paul uses that term. Jesus is described as a man. Stephen saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. So yes, he is called a man, but yet that doesn't seem to be a flippant statement, a lack of respect, I should say. And this especially pertains to using the Lord's name in vain or in cursing or even out of habit, which we'll go into detail later on in my lesson. Now it's noteworthy that this proclamation here from Exodus was made at the making of the second set of the Ten Commandments. Remember what happened to the first set? Moses threw him down and destroyed the actual tablets. So the Lord had to make a second set. And this leads me to know that God knew he would have another opportunity to introduce himself to Israel. Possibly he planned accordingly and knew he'd have this second chance at the foot of Mount Sinai. Or perhaps he wanted to be clearer in his introduction than he was earlier. Consider Exodus chapter 6. Verses 2 and 3. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I am the Lord. This is where the term I am comes from. Now it's interesting to note, Jesus took this name upon himself as well. In John chapter 8, we have John 8 and John chapter 10, we have two instances where Jesus referred to himself as I am. John 8 verse 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So how did they respond to him taking that name upon himself? They took up stones. They were going to stone him. They didn't recognize that he really was God. They thought he was committing blasphemy, which he was not. And if I were to say that, that would be blasphemy, because I am not the great I am. The Lord is, to be sure. Here in John chapter 10, again, look at verse 30 and 31. John chapter 10, verse 30, excuse me. He says, I and the Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these stones do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Have you ever heard the argument that Jesus never claimed to be God? There are those out there that try to make that claim. But he did. And this is when he was doing that. Jesus took this phrase for a reason. He wanted to teach. Now, going back to that passage in Exodus 6 again, the Lord was known by the name God Almighty that we'll get into Wednesday night, or El Shaddai, as the Hebrew says, to Israel's forefathers, 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was with divine purpose and intent. However, he wanted to be known to Israel as Jehovah and later Jehovah God. He must have had a reason for that change. He must have had a reason to introduce himself in that with that name to Israel for sure. Now, it's worth noting that the name Jehovah God in Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 is the first time we have reference to that particular name. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. The Lord God, Jehovah Elohim. Now, I don't think Moses had written the book of Genesis by the time he was revealing the Ten Commandments to Israel. Israel may not have heard that name before. They could add by their fathers who passed it on to their fathers. That was the way they, they sent down information at that time from one generation to the next. So perhaps they had heard that first name before there in Genesis chapter 2 in hearing, not as opposed to reading it. Now, notice the name Lord there where all the letters are capitalized as opposed to the name Lord, capital L-O-R-D. You know, sometimes the way that these names are translated in English can be confusing. It was to me for a long time trying to figure out who they were. However, these two words are from two different words. Consider Psalm 110 and 1 that I know you've heard quoted a number of times over the years. Psalm 110 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, if you were looking at that verse without having any understanding of the context of the Bible, you would think, well, who's talking to who here? The Lord said to my Lord, what does that mean? I think the reason this is confusing is because of the way it's translated into English. And I think it would be easier to understand if it were translated Jehovah rather than Lord. When all the letters are all capitals, referring to Jehovah. But when you have the capital L and the small O-R-D, you're referring to Adonai, which of course is the name for Jesus. So now we can, if you read those names in there, in that psalm, you can understand who's talking to who. Jehovah said to Adonai or to Jesus. So there we know who's speaking to who. And there are some translations that do use the word Jehovah, not very many. It's interesting to note in the old Hebrew Bibles, they would not even write the name Jehovah down. They wouldn't even utter the words with their lips. They felt like it was too pure to be doing that. They would they would be casting an aspersion on it. So if I understand, there are different ways that the translators would write in the Hebrew, but many times they would put dots in that passage. That way, the reader would know it's referring to Jehovah without writing the name Jehovah. And I started, I did some research trying to figure out where this first became translated, Lord and Lord both the same. The Septuagint uses both words as L-O-R-D, but both words in the Septuagint are capital L-O-R-D. What they call the Great Bible, one of the first English translations, uses both as Lord said to my Lord, L-O-R-D-E, the old, the old way of saying the word, spelling the word Lord. The King James says the Lord, all capital letters, so you know it's Jehovah that way. The ASV is the only that I know of major translation that uses the word Jehovah, Jehovah saith unto Adonai. I believe that makes it easier to understand. The NIV also says Lord there in that passage. Although sometimes the NIV would translate it 
sovereign Lord. Jehovah God would be sovereign Lord, which is another way to differentiate between the two names. Now, personally, I've tried to say the term Jehovah when I read the capital O-R-D, but I find myself going back to my old habits. It's hard to do that. When you read something, you're so used to saying a certain word and you're trying to change it. It's hard to do that for sure. But it's worth noting the name Jehovah God is used nine times in Genesis chapter 2 when the Lord is giving a little more detail as to how he created man and woman. The name Jehovah God is used eight times in Genesis chapter 3. So the Lord used it a lot. However, the name God or Elohim is used exclusively in Genesis chapter 1, 15 times it's used. And all of them from that Hebrew word Adonai, which means God as a plurality. The Godhead it's referring to, not just the Father. And it's worth noting This word Elohim, or God, is the first name the Creator introduced Himself as. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, He did that for a reason. He certainly could have, the Holy Spirit could have said, Lord God, but it was a way the Lord wanted His name to be proclaimed to the world first, as simply as God. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, had a reason to introduce Himself by those names. And I trust his divine purposes. I may not understand them, but I trust them. Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. And again, God is trying to introduce himself to Israel so they would have a better appreciation and understanding of who he is. Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, speaking to Moses, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And here the Lord again is connecting his names with these characteristics. Now I was asked to to address how can this passage pertain to us today? Well, I think it does in the New Testament church. Because when we are living our life before the world as the Lord's people, one of the primary purposes for the Lord's people is to proclaim His name to the world. We do this. We bear witness of our Lord through the words and the life that we lead, the things that we participate in. We proclaim the name of the Lord to all those who know us as followers of Jesus. And the Lord shows us He shows in us, when we're doing what's right, his approval. Because we're submitting to what he wants us to do. This is what the world looks at. They look at our lives. Are we consistent with the name of the Lord that we bear? One of my favorite songs is in the Red Books that we just sang out of, the world's Bible. Generally speaking, the world doesn't go to the scriptures to find out about God. They look at the lives of his people to be sure. And this is why it's a grave responsibility to represent and proclaim the Lord to the people. It's very important. Because how many people through the ages have taken the name of the Lord, claimed to be the children of God, but yet they brought shame to His name? Our world is still is still suffering repercussions from what they call the Crusades, of people who did horrible things in the name of the Lord. There are people today that despise the Lord and his people 
because of what they did, even a thousand years ago. Look at what I believe, personally, the political Christian right has done to the name of the Lord. Some of the hateful stuff that they put out there that they think is justified, but it's not. Because people look at them and they claim to be from the Lord. Their wickedness has caused others to curse God. I'm going to ask for questions here in just a moment, but I want to read to you the words of a song written by Charles Wesley pertaining to the name of the Lord. The name of it is Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, blessed be the name of the Lord. The glories of my God and King, blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, blessed be the name of the Lord. Tis music in the sinner's ears, blessed be the name of the Lord. He breaks the power of canceled sin, blessed be the name of the Lord. His blood can make the foulest clean, blessed be the name of the Lord. I shall never forget that day, blessed be the name of the Lord, when Jesus washed my sins away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Does anyone have any questions or thoughts now as we take a short pause here? I think it's tradition here. Brethren are around with microphones, right? Okay. Raise your hand. Got one over here. About my 10 o'clock. Anyone else want to be in line next? Got one right up here in front. How many mics do we have? Just one? We have to be patient then. Got a, a quick question. Um, Exodus thirty-three nineteen and Exodus thirty-four five and six both say that God's going to proclaim the name of the Lord, and as you said, He then describes His properties and His characteristics. Can these two verses help us understand He's calling on the name of the Lord in the New Testament? Well, in the sense that when we we call upon the like when we're baptized, for instance. Calling on the name of the Lord, as Paul was. We're doing it in his name, by his authority. If I understand what your question is, when I'm living my life in a godly manner, he gives me the power and authority to speak for him. And right up front here. Can't hear. First, I just want to say I appreciate the reminder of the the value of the name of the Lord. I mean, we we can get we get flippant with with names and terms and everything, and just that reminder that to the Lord it is not flippant, and then. I really appreciated that I that reminder again that our our actions, our statements, everything we do as Christians taking his name upon us is representing that. And so we can take that name in vain through our actions, through what we say in ways that we don't always think. And so that reminder of the, the seriousness of it is very appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, his name is holy. And you you revere holy things. You be respectful for them, and especially the Lord of Heaven. 
What time for one more comment before we go on? Hope people noticed. I, I started ten minutes late, so. Well, let's go on then. Thank you. Now, my wife and I have a division in this area. She she doesn't like modern technology. I love it. And one of the things I like about having the Bible on a, on my phone or in, in my home in my computer or on my laptop is I can type in phrases. I want to look up a phrase. It, it gives me all the verses in the Bible with that phrase. And so I like the I typed in the name the name of the Lord, and it's used many times in the Bible, but specifically it's used 19 times in the book of Psalm. Turn to one of those right now. Psalm chapter 7, verse 17. Psalm 7, verse 17. I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. And that's used many times in the book of Psalms, 19 specific times in chapter 20, 113, and other places. It seems to be the most of any other book, at least according to the New King James Concordance that I was using. And remember, the Psalms is a book of praise, praising God. And we praise His name. We do it in the name of the Lord, by His authority. We do it in the name of the Lord. Of course, the term name of God, name of the Lord, excuse me, is used many more times throughout the scriptures. But this teaches us that the Lord considers his name to be of value. And because of that, we should be careful how we use his name. This is why one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Now, it's my personal conviction that we should only use these names in limited circumstances. And I believe they are limited. For instance, I believe we have the right to use his name in praise. We see that throughout the Psalms. The word Psalm just means song. So we praise God. We can use the name of the Lord. But we also use it in teaching, such as we're doing this week and any time the Lord's people meet. And I believe that's appropriate, to be sure. We use it in our prayers, both public and private. And I believe that's appropriate. We also use it, I think, to encourage others when we bestow a blessing upon them. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord grant you healing or give you wisdom. And I believe those, that, those are all times we can use the name of the Lord. And perhaps there may be other times that you can think of. But we should never use the name of the Lord in cursing or any other forms of blasphemy. We have an example in Leviticus 24 of a man who blasphemed the Lord. And yet, and as a result, he was stoned in Leviticus chapter 24. So the Lord considers misusing his name as a curse. He considers that cursing. And so we have to be careful we don't use his name in vain. I personally don't like to use pseudonames of the Lord. We have all kinds of names. I think we know many examples of these names where someone uses a, a little name that sounds nicer to our ears. I, I don't think it sounds good to God's ears. I don't think we should use them. I don't think they're of the Lord. And here's an example of what I mean. I, I, this, is, this is one of the other blessings of being assigned these topics. There's something in my life that I examined and I decided I was not going to use it anymore like that. I've used the name of the Lord in jest. For instance, one of my favorite phrases used to be, I camp the way the Lord intended by staying in a motel. 
Well, I like that. Stay in a motel, but I've decided I should not use that term like that. I'm not blaspheming. I'm not meaning to blaspheme God. I'm not meaning to curse God. But is that an example of using the name of the Lord in vain? I think it is. So I have, the, I have tried to examine myself, and I am going to try not to use that name anymore in that kind of a manner because it's disrespectful. That's the kind of things I'm talking about. Now here's another passage. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here, but I do want to spend some. In Psalm chapter 82, verse 6. Although this isn't referring to the name of the Lord, but it's referring to a name he's called, obviously. Psalm 82, verse 6. I said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Of course, he's not talking to the Lord of Heaven. He's not talking to idols. He's talking to us. So what does that mean when it says you are gods? Jesus himself used that question regarding the Jewish leaders. In John chapter 10, what does that mean, he says? Well, I'm not sure if this explains all of it, but I think part of what it means is we're made in God's image. We are above the rest of creation. Now, I understand we're in an environment where, we want to, where they want to make us equal with the, with the earth, with the animals that live in the earth. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And I believe that's at least one level of what God is referring to here. We are gods. It's not saying we're not eternal God. Because we're not. We're not eternal God for sure. But yet, He's made us in His image. What other creature, be it plant or animal, that was made in His image? This is why we are supposed to be stewards of what God has given us of the earth. But the earth is not made in God's image. Nor are the animals, the trees, the rocks, the stones, the stars, the heavens. We of all God's creation are made in God's image. So I think that's one thing that he's referring to. And I'd like to hear if you have any other thoughts here in just a few minutes when I open it up for some more questions. I also looked up the phrase, my name, M-Y, not J-A-Y. That's not, well, it is found in the Bible, J-Who, but nevertheless. The name, my name. Jehovah emphasized this phrase many times in the Old Testament scriptures. Numbers chapter 6, verse 27, for instance. Number 6, verse 27. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Now what made Israel worthy of the Lord's blessing? Because they would have his name on them. They were to be a holy nation, a holy people before God and before the world. He says in Psalm 91, 14, The Lord would set he that knows his name on high. And again, the word knows there doesn't mean has an acquaintance with. It means have a relationship with. He, and that applies to all people, of all his people, of all generations. When we have his name on our life and we're living our life consistent with that name. Tells us in Exodus chapter 9 verse 16. The Lord raised up Pharaoh that the Lord's name may be declared to all the earth. Now what does that mean, may be declared? Well, who of us, at least in Western culture, who had the Bible around us all of our lives, has never heard of God bringing Israel out of Egypt? Even people who don't believe it have heard about it. They can't deny that they've heard about it. They can deny its truth if they want to. 
But certainly those of us who've had the Bible around us, we know about the power of God and how he brought Israel out with a mighty nation. When it says, may be declared, I think it's talking about his identity, who he is, may be declared. Pharaoh finally understood who he was. He didn't obey him. He understood who he was. His works are declared. His greatness. Creation itself declares that. His character is declared. What he expects from us. His mercy and his judgment. See, it all goes back to that passage in Psalm, doesn't it? All those characteristics about God, they are declared to the world by us wearing his name. These divine characteristics are described and declared in both the Old and New Testament scriptures. John chapter 1, verse 18. Speaking of Jesus. When he says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Jesus declared the Father. He did that through his righteous life. He did it through his teachings, teaching the word of God. In John chapter 14, Philip says, show us the Father. Well, Jesus said, don't you understand? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we do have a picture of the Father through the life of Jesus Christ. Not through some drawing that some artist thinks it is, but it's through his life as, as is revealed in those Gospels and the rest of the New Testament scriptures. These divine characteristics are declared today through the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that the Lord has ordained that the church should preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ. This is one of the great works we do as the Lord's body by declaring the Lord through his name, in the name of his name. These divine characteristics are declared by the church and the lives of his people. We are a holy people, a holy nation. Now, to be fair, many times Israel was not living their life right. They were eventually sent into exile. They lost their land because of that. Well, the church, we declare the name of the Lord by our actions, by our deeds, by our spirit, by our preaching. Consider Romans chapter 9, verse, verse, uh, verse 17. Romans 9 and 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power to you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. For this very purpose. God knew that, that Pharaoh would would not do what he said. He knew he was going to send those plagues down on Egypt so that Pharaoh would eventually let his people go. But he knew it had to happen, didn't it? Talks about in Exodus chapter 20, verse 24, where the Lord would record his name, ultimately at the temple in Jerusalem. The altar itself would be holy because it bore the Lord's name. Christ's sacrifice on the altar of that cross was holy because the act and the person bore the Lord's name. Our living sacrifices are to be holy because they, because they are to bear the Lord's name to the world. This is why we have to be careful. It tells us not to swear by the Lord's name. 
We know about the priestly blessing in Numbers chapter 9, verse 27. The Lord be with you, be with you and comfort you and give you peace. Prophesies about Jesus in Deuteronomy chapter 18, 17 through 19. He would declare the name of the Lord. Solomon would build the Lord's house, the Lord's temple for his name. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13. We have a prophecy of the Christ in Psalm 91, 9 through 14. As it says, he that makes the Lord his refuge, the Lord would save. We also have Satan quoting from that passage there in Numbers 91, trying to deceive Jesus into committing a sin, into following Satan. It tells us in Isaiah chapter 29, 13, we should hallow the name of the Lord. To hallow means to render sacred, to consecrate, to make holy. Jesus taught us to hallow the Lord's name. Holy, hallow is your name, as he says to there on the mountain when, he, when the disciples said, teach us to pray. Another song I'd like to read for you is the song entitled, Blessed Be Your Name by Zoe Group. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful when streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, and still I will say, blessed be your name. You give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. This is why, one reason I like that psalm, because it talks about how blessed the Lord's name is, even when times are difficult, even when things are not going well. We should be willing to praise the Lord. In Amos chapter 9, verse 11, we have a prophecy of the church regarding blessing the Lord, specifically referring to the Gentiles who are going to be brought into that body. This is why I believe Amos was speaking of the church, not some time when God was going to rebuild a temple in Jerusalem. He's talking about Christians. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, teaches us that we can despise the Lord's name. Now, it's worth noting that Malachi addressed this topic a number of times in his short book of prophecy. Because Israel was offering sacrifices that were defiled. The majority of the Jewish leaders did this in the first century by their lack of attention to godly things like mercy and justice and love. They were cursing the name of the Lord. They were defiling his name. This is why our lives are to be holy and right, lest we defile the name of the Lord. Malachi goes on to say, it is right to fear the name of the Lord. It is right to fear God. Jesus, Jesus even talked about that. This is why we give glory to the Lord's name. Malachi again says, if we fear the Lord's name, Christ will heal us. The Lord will heal us. Jesus emphasized the name of the Lord many times in the New Testament scriptures. He tells us in Matthew 18, the Lord would know that whoever receives a little one in his name, the Lord would know that. The Lord would be with those who gather in his name. Matthew chapter 18. 
many would come to the Lord's name, also to deceive many in his name as well. Jesus warned us about that. The Lord told Ananias that Saul would bear his name to the Gentiles. It wasn't The gospel wasn't just intended for the Jewish people. It was intended for the whole world. And when we do that, when we preach the Lord, we are bearing his name to the world. The church at Pergamos, they were to hold fast to the Lord's name. Even though the Lord had some pretty serious issues with them, they were still supposed to hold fast. There was still some faith there. Church of Philadelphia, Jesus says, you didn't deny my name. To deny the name of the Lord at that time meant literally to, as Christians who were urged to deny Jesus as the Christ in order to save their lives. But yet we deny him also when, our, when, we, give, when we aren't living our life right, to be sure. The name of the Lord was used how many times? Preaching the gospel of Christ. The very first gospel message was in the name of the Lord. Because without being in his name, the gospel would be worthless. It would be powerless to save. So there's power in his name. Peter healed the lame man in Jerusalem in the name of the Lord. And as a result of that, he preached the gospel of Christ. Peter continues to preach at the temple in Acts chapter 4 to the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders knew the power of the name of the Lord. They denied it, but they knew it. They said, you should not teach in this name. So they tried to they tried to, to warn the apostles to not preach in the name of the Lord. And as a result, they were beaten with stripes. Many in Samaria, they heeded Philip's miracles that he did by the Spirit and his message because they were in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord pertains to the Lord's Christians and the Lord's righteousness. The church at Corinth was called upon, they, they called upon the name of the Lord. Paul referred to the name of the Lord in Philippians 2, speaking of his own authority. So we do many things in the name of the Lord. We meet, we teach, we sing, we give, we pray, we remember his name at the, the Lord's Supper that we share. We even rebuke in love, in the name of the Lord. We live our lives in his name, and the name of the Lord is what makes these things holy and right. We're going to stop for questions, if you have any. One in the back. Without my glasses on, I can't see the specific face. I see your hand. But it's not whether I see it, it's whether Brian sees it. <laughs> read just a bit ago uh, Psalms 82 and 6 where it says you are gods um, I noticed there's a note here that um, and I didn't hear you mention it but um, it means uh, judges or the Hebrew Elohim literally mighty ones or gods is what I've got for a note here in the middle of my Bible I was thinking Jesus used this particular verse in, uh, I want to say in God, John's gospel, but yes, I'm not, not certain where he used it. I was trying to look it up, but I can't seem to find it at the moment. But I was 
but I know Jesus used it somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I wondered what your thoughts were on that. So being, in, in, being John judges. Chapter, in John chapter 10, let's go ahead and turn there. Verses 34 through 36. And you brought up another interesting point I intended to make. I forgot to mention it. John 10 verse 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? One thing I, I thought about as you were talking, that, that's another really good point that, that, that may apply to us, is that we're told we will judge the world. Now we judge the world by our lives. There are many, many of your neighbors and your friends and your family that I'm confident of. They know where you're at this week. They know you're here. Consider those who aren't you who aren't Christians. They know where you are. And so when they go to the judgment, I, I don't know whether they have a way of communication with God in the judgment or not, but they can't say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know where your people were. I didn't know what you wanted. But by our very lives, God will point and say, you had a neighbor who did this. You had a relative who did that. They know where you're at on Lord's Day mornings. They know you're singing praises to him. So I think that also pertains to we are gods. Any other comments? We have about four minutes yet. I can go into another point now, but I'll... Well, let's continue on then. Now that we've seen how the Lord considers names important, let's consider how the Lord names certain people with purpose. Now, Genesis 2 and 19, Adam is called Adam. I don't know. It doesn't say whether God named him that. We know Adam later would name the animals. Maybe Adam named himself. The word Adam means red or ground. Red or ground, or red ground. That's what the name Adam means. Now, here's an interesting thought for you. In Genesis 2 and 23, we have Adam gave a name to his helpmate. He called her woman. The word woman means life-giving. I know I'm not a, I'm not a scientist, but the Bible says it means life-giving. There are some very old references to the word woman as meaning man with a womb. It's interesting noticing in, in Genesis chapter 1, when God created Adam and Eve, what about what he called them both here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image God, image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. The word man pertains to a woman. He created them both. So I believe a term for woman, the definition is man with a womb. She does something that a man cannot do. I know this flies in the face of our modern culture issues, but I believe I'd rather choose the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 17, we're going to have to stop. We'll, We'll stop here and pick it up here.
in about a half hour. You've got a break. Thank you.